thank you for your excellent greatness, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our midst, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for how you're putting things together, Lord. How you're fixing broken things, Lord. How you're touching people, Lord God. How you're allowing people to come in for the first time, oh Lord God, to be touched, Lord God. Lord God, we need you, Lord God. We need you to blow upon the altar tonight, Lord. We need you to blow upon the altar, Lord. Touch our hearts and minds, oh God, and give us a heart to be on fire for you, Lord. Set your word on fire, Lord. Use these lips of clay. Use me, Lord God, for your glory. Lord God, your people will be delivered, Lord. Touch and help, oh God, those. Oh God, hallelujah. Touch the backslider, Lord. Touch those, oh Lord God, have known this way, Lord God. Bring them back, Lord God. Blow, Lord God, upon the altar, Lord. Touch their lives, Lord. Bother them in their sleep, Lord. Stir them, Lord. Lord Jesus, you're soon to come, Lord. You want to use them for your glory, Lord. Stir them, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all things, Lord God. Give someone the heart and mind to receive the Holy Ghost, to relinquish their will, to yield themselves unto you, Lord God, and surrender, Lord, for we know that you hear prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy, and we thank you for your goodness and mercy, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for your precious blood in the name of Jesus Christ. Let everyone say, thank you, Jesus. Let me say, thank you, Jesus. Before you sit down, turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord heard your prayer. Your prayer is heard. Turn to your neighbor and say, your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. Turn to your other neighbor and say, your prayer is heard. Smile when you say it and say, your prayer is heard. Now give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise. Your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. You may be seated. Your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. Giving highest honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for his great goodness and mercy. I thank the Lord for breath in my body. I thank the Lord for being in this assembly, in this body of Christ at this time. I thank the Lord for our pastor. I thank the Lord for all the men of God. Thank the Lord for the mothers, giving honor to Mother Geddes, all the deacons, all the visitors. I give, the, I give honor to my my wife and my two daughters for being here. I thank, thankful for them. It doesn't have to be so. It's not everywhere. And I, I just thank the Lord for them. Thank the Lord that they, they love the Lord. And that's important. That's important. So pray with me. The Lord's got a word for us. He's got a word for you. He's got a word for you. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 5. And there were in those days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both, well, they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. But when he went into the temple of the Lord, the whole multitude of the people were praying without in a time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife and, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn, shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, to turn the hearts and the fathers to the children, and to the disobedient to the wisdom and to the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
And Zechariah said unto him, I said unto the angel, Where shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak unto thee to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until this day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their seasons. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he had beckoned unto them. He remained speechless. I'd like to use for a thought tonight. Your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. Zacharias is in the temple offering up incense. He was doing his job. And the task of offering up incense was commanded by, the, by, commanded by God when he told Moses to follow the pattern. The pattern was from above. There were furniture that the Lord put in place. There were seven pieces of furniture. There was the brazen altar, the, bra the brazen lavender, the, the table of showbread, the golden candlestick, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, and the altar of incense. The altar of incense was made out of sturdy, hard wood. It was covered with gold, and on each four corners of it had horns. And it, and it was placed before the veil. And, and God told Moses in the 30th chapter book of Exodus, he said, you put that before the veil, and then I'll come down and meet with you, and I'll speak to you there. And this, this, this uh, altar of incense is three feet high and 18 inches wide. It was square, and it had stairs so you could carry. So you, you weren't picking it up. You weren't handling it like, like furniture. You could move around. This was something sacred. And it was overlaid with gold. It was, basically, it was also called the golden table in, in the book of Revelation. But this, this, this offering of incense was a type and shadow of the people's prayers that, that so they could see the smoke going up, that incense going up in the morning and in the evening, that they could see that incense going up knowing that, that that was a type of prayer so the people could understand that, yes, they're praying, but they don't see the result right away, but they had to understand that this was a type and shadow, that their prayers were being heard, that the Lord, that their prayers were going up as incense. And God commanded the priest to burn the incense on the golden altar morning and evening. The incense was a symbol and prayer of the intercession of prayers of the people of God ascending up to the throne of God as a sweet-smelling fragrance. And David, the psalmist, he said in Psalm 141, verse 1 and 2, he said, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer set before thee as incense. And lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, the, the Jews, they, they, you know, they, 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 they don't know the whole revelation, revelation of Jesus Christ. But there's something about them and, and people that are, 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 are more rooted and haven't gone turned aside to everything. But there is something that they do. And they, and they pray in the morning and they pray at new time and they pray at evening. And if you go look in the community over here in West Hartford, they go and pray. They, they leave their job and they pray at noon time. They, they leave and they're there in the morning before they go to work. And that is something that is, that is fundamental that we need to do. But I don't want you to think that this is just an exercise that we should just go about and do but not look for the result. Because after a while, we can become complacent. We can become, what's the use? Does God really hear my prayer? We read about with Zacharias. He was old and barren, but he was the priest. He was going into the altar of incense. He was going into the prayer, but he also had something that he prayed about, him and his wife prayed about, and he must have thought for a long time, that is a forgotten prayer. That, that smoke went up to Zacharias, must have gone into the temple many, 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 many times, week after week, month after month, year after year, on and on and on, and year after year, you get the picture. After a while, we're not going to pray about that anymore because that is not for us. But after a while, as time went on, I'm sure they, so they stopped praying that prayer, and they must have resolved in themselves and in their heart that that prayer was not heard. But Zacharias, you are offering up at the time of prayer of incense. That prayer was going up to the Lord. Why was he surprised when the angel came in there? Why was it? Because he saw something there that he doesn't normally see. And we need to shake ourselves and ask the Lord for us to see something we don't normally see. One, to believe that he hears our prayer. Two, not to put a calendar and not to put a clock and not to put a stopwatch on, on the result of our prayer. Knowing that he hears our prayer. Not only does he hear our prayer, that, that, that the prayer that, that, that uh, John the Baptist, that, that Zacharias, it was a prophetic 
birth. It was a miracle. But you know what? When, when Zachariah started questioning, he started questioning the angel. He didn't get the message. He didn't get the memo. He said, he said in his presence, how should I know this? How do they know this is, is going to be true? And Gabriel said, listen. Listen, I'm not an ordinary angel. I'm not just some angel out on the other side. I'm not some of the, one of the multitude that's way, way, way out there. I'm an angel that stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to here to tell you something. I stand in the presence of God. And if a messenger came from the presence of God, he's got a real message. He's got something to tell you right now. What he said is going to happen is going to happen. And so he's not a, he, wasn't, he wasn't talking about the small God. He was talking about the small God with a small G, but he was talking about the true and holy, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the God, the creator of everything. That's who he was talking about. But, he, but Zechariah didn't understand, but he was in that temple for a long time, and the people wondered what was going on. He must have seen a vision. He did see a vision. He was changed. He didn't understand what happened. He couldn't even explain to the people as they came up to him what was going on in there. But as time went on, right, as time went on, as Elizabeth was on, as, and five months later she went away by herself and she went upon and she, and she hooked up with Mary because she got something as well. But see, the Lord heard their prayer. I don't know when they, when, they, when they had that prayer. I don't know if they were married for the first year and they were asking for a child. It doesn't say how old they, they were, but they got their prayer answered. And see, we, we have to understand something that when we're praying and we're asking the Lord for something, we have to just believe that he's going to do it and it's gonna, he's going to take care of it and he's going to make it happen for us. Why? Because he answers prayer. He hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. Well, you know, you, we, we can go look. And we can, why don't you turn me to um, Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 5. Because sometimes we, we think, well, that's all, that's, you know, those are many, many years, and I have to wait that long for my prayer to be answered. No, I'm just trying to, trying to show you a, a scripture that right here, that that prayer was heard. You know, he, why, were you, why were you in the altar? Why was, why was the angel talking? Because your prayer was heard. You prayed something, and I'm here to deliver your prayer. I'm here to answer your prayer. And the Lord is trying to tell you right now, your prayer is heard. You don't have to throw up your hands. You don't have to be despondent. You don't have to walk around in anguish and sorrow, wondering or not the Lord hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. Isaiah chapter 38. And in those days, Hezekiah, sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember me now, O Lord. I beseech thee how I walk before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done, and have done in thy sight that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord saying to Isaiah, Go and say unto Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord thy God, that thy God the God of thy day, David thy father. I have heard thy prayer, and I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thee 15 years. The Lord heard his prayer. Isaiah sent, the Lord sent Isaiah in there. He delivered a message to say, get your house in order. But you know what he did? Hezekiah, he didn't just give up on life. He didn't throw up his hands and say, well, that's what it's going to be. I'm just going to die. He turned his face to the wall. He turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, I, I'm not ready to die. I don't know what was going through his heart and mind. But he turned his face to the wall and he prayed. And he sought the Lord with tears. He was broken before the Lord. And, 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 and his prayer was heard to the point that when, Hezekiah, when Isaiah was walking outside the courtyard he turned around and gave him another message he gave him another message that's instantaneously prayer that's your prayer being answered we don't have to wait but we have to understand that the Lord hears your prayer your prayers are heard they are heard they are heard they are heard your prayers are heard not because I said so they are heard the psalmist the king he went through this no one was ever no one's ever been as, as David was treated, no one of us will wake up in the morning and run for our lives, running from a madman trying to kill us. But David wrote some songs, songs and psalms about, about being, being persecuted, being chased, being whether or not the Lord hears your prayer. Because when you're on the run, you really don't have a good thinking. When you're, when you're distracted and you're worried about all kinds of fear, you can't really understand, you really can't hear the word of the Lord. But David was able to be able to say these prayers. And in Psalm 66, in, in, in verse 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer, will not hear me. 
But verily, God has heard me. He has attended to me the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. We don't want to have any kind of iniquity in our heart. We don't want to have any kind of sin that would kind of, would kind of get in the way of the Lord hearing our prayer. But if we're going before the Lord and asking him and putting our petition before him, your prayers are heard. They are heard. Now we just have to go along and just believe that the Lord's going to do it. He's going to do it. And a lot of these things don't take a lot of time. It's just a matter of just the Lord lining those all these things up. But I want to let you know right now, he hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. That's a fact. He hears your prayer. You know, David, he had many, many, many psalms. In Psalm 86, he said, bow down your ear to me, Lord. Oh, hear my prayer. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. That's what the Lord, bow down thy ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou, my God, save thy servant that trusteth thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. And the Lord, the Lord heard his prayer. The Lord listens and he hears, and he hears our prayer. He knows what's going on. He knows and sees all the things that are going on. He sees the afflictions. He sees the persecutions. He sees the nonsense that the enemy tries to stir and tries to discourage the saints from praying. But I say that the Lord has heard your prayer and I say continue praying new prayers because the Lord has already gotten the old prayers. He's already got it lined up. He's already going to fix it. Psalm 34 it said, oh, oh fear the Lord. Ye saints, for there's no want to them that fear him. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And in, Psalm, in, 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 in verse 17, it says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. He doesn't, he doesn't play games with us. He's not playing a game with us and seeing how long we can go before we faint. The Bible says that all men should always pray and not faint. So we need to be able to understand that the Lord is going to deliver us. The Lord can hear our prayer. He's got a long stretch our arm. And he's able to make things fix and work things out in our behalf for our betterment. When the boss on your job says no, God says yes. He steps right in. He doesn't care about what people say. He doesn't care about no flesh is making him do anything. Matter of fact, you know what? When people rise up like that with that flesh, that's a challenge to him. He raised up Pharaoh just so he can humiliate him in front of everyone. Your God's bigger than your boss. Your God's bigger than your trouble. Your God is bigger than anything. He's the creator, and he ordained you to be in here. Let me tell you about prayers. Let me tell you about prayers. Go to, go to Revelation chapter 8, because, you know, there's the prayer of the sinner, and there's a prayer. The Bible says that God reigns on the just and the unjust. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I'll say it anyways. It's true. God will answer prayer of the sinner because God's just God. He's just a great God. He's sovereign, and he wants to help people out. He's, he's not out to try to stamp people down, but he wants them to repent. He wants them to come back to him. He wants them to receive the Holy Ghost. He wants them to be a saint. But everyone, it's not just not going to be so, but he's also the God of the heaven and earth, and he's a God of his creation. So he's going to answer prayer for the sinner. He's going to help people because he's not trying to crush them. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The Lord knows. So you look in, in, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar. Remember the pattern that he put on earth with, with Moses. It's up there in heaven. And the angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, and he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. Not all the, all the prayers that went up from all the people of the earth, the prayers of the saints. You all in here that have been praying for years about the same old thing, things about family members, thinking that things are not going to change, that God didn't hear your prayer. I'm letting you know right now, God hears your prayer. He's heard your prayer, and something's going to happen because nothing doesn't just happen. Anytime that someone prays in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, when someone prays, something happens. God does something on the behalf of the righteous. He's going to move. He's going to help you and he's going to deliver you. He should offer prayers unto all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, remember the smoke of the incense was, was a, the prayers going up to the throne of God. So the people can visualize that, that our prayers are going up because sometimes we go down here, we don't really see the Lord in action, what's going to happen. 
and the smoke of the incense which came out with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Even the angels can't get in the way of your prayers. Even They can't even monkey around. The devil can't stop your prayer. He can, hide, he can try to hinder it as he did with, with Daniel's prayer. But he, what did he say? The first day you prayed, Daniel, your prayer was heard. Your prayer was heard the first day. And I'm going to let you know, saints, your prayer was heard the first day. Doesn't matter how good and all the things. He heard your prayer the first day. And so we don't need to have to wonder and scratch our head and go back and make vain repetitions. He's heard your prayer. There's nothing going wrong with asking again. There's nothing saying, Lord, I know you're going to work it out. You say it in confidence. Say, Lord, I'm going to know you're going to fix it. I know you're going to work it out. And you just get kind of happy saying, you know what? Change my heart and my mind until you work that thing out. He is going to fix what's going on. He's going to fix the broken things. He's going to adjust the things in your life that things are kind of wobbly. Things are happening in your families. Things are happening in family members. He's going to fix that because he heard your prayer. And he's a God of, you can do anything. There's nothing too hard for him. He is the God of all flesh. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing impossible with this God. This God can do anything he wants. He stepped out of eternity. eternity this, doesn't, this doesn't stop him. This is nothing for him to walk out and just start to walk around here. It was nothing for him to walk on water. It was nothing for him to raise the dead. It was nothing for him to get up after they killed him, after they bruised him, after they put nails in his hands and put him in a cross, and they said, he's dead. But after three days, he got up. And what he put inside us, we're going to get up. So we have, we have the power of the resurrection. If you have the Holy Ghost right now, an endless life. So he's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to just, you know, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a clock winder like a, the deists say that, you know, he set everything in order and then all of a sudden he doesn't interfere in man's life anymore. That's false. We move and breathe. We have our being. We, we touch him. We can feel him. If you put your hands up and you can feel the Holy Ghost, you can feel his presence. He wants you to feel his presence. How much more so with Cornelius? How about Cornelius? What was he doing? Was he doing something different than we're doing? Was he doing something different? He must have heard about Jesus. He had no connection with Jesus. We don't see that he met Jesus. We don't see that any of this, the, the, the apostles went to go speak to him. But he had something of knowledge of God. He had a fear of probably of Judaism. He must have saw the surroundings that were around him. But he had a prayer life. He had a memorial that went before the Lord. And he was a devout man. He was a Gentile. But he had a heart towards God. He could pray. Do you understand something? He was not supposed to be part of the program but he was a Gentile and he was seeking the Lord and his whole household was going to obey what he was going to do in his household. That's why it's important that if you're the head of your household, male or female, that you set things in order so your house can be blessed. You want the blessing of the Lord. You want, you want all his choice blessings and you don't want anything to hinder those things. He was a devout man. One that feared God in all his house, which gave much alms, and, 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 which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He didn't just pray on Saturday. He didn't pray at 5.30 on Saturday, came in with his blue jeans and his overalls and, and did his uh, mass and then went home and got a lottery ticket and started drinking and, and just kind of just a messed up life. He was praying always. He was dedicated in his heart, not just his outside, but in his heart. He was praying, and he was hoping that the Lord would do something. He had no idea what the Lord was going to do. But he was fasting and praying, and he was a Gentile. And he saw a vision evenly about the ninth hour of the day, between 12 and 3. And the angel of God coming in to him, saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked at him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up before as a memorial before God. In the 31st verse, in the same chapter of 10, start at verse 30. If you've got the new translated versions of Scripture, if you get the NIV and you get the New Living and you get all these other things, the word fasting is not in there. 
Matter of fact, in a lot of the King James, the word fasting is not in those versions of Scripture. But you want to unlock, you want to you have a blessing from the Lord. That fasting is important. That is unlocking the powers of darkness, and that unlocks your be able to submit your flesh unto the Lord. You be able to submit unto the Lord. That fasting, he did, who taught this man how to fast? He had relationship with someone that said fasting and prayer. Who knows? It doesn't give the history of who was talking to him but he must have learned it somewhere because you just don't wake up one morning and take your plate and your cup and say, I'm not going to eat. He must have had knowledge of the scripture. Someone must have talked to him. But Cornelius, and he says, and Cornelius said four days ago when he's talking to Peter, four days, four days ago I was fasting until this hour at the ninth hour and I prayed in my house and behold a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thy alms are in remembrance in the sight of God. The Lord hears your prayer. I'm here right now to answer your prayer. You don't know what you're praying for, but I'm coming to give you salvation. He sent Peter over to unlock, to open the door of the Gentiles. And by the time that Peter was done, that Cornelius and his household, they were all speaking with tongues and the Spirit gave utterance. You can't tell me that there's not people in this society right now that isn't fasting and praying that isn't going through saying what's going on in our society. I don't like what's happening in my church. I, don't, I know it's not true to have all this stuff going on. I know it's not, it's, it's, it's not right to have all these games being played. I know it's not right to, to, to push away and, and not have any prayer and not have any fasting and no time of devotion and just come in and have song. I know it's not right to have women preachers and have all kinds of stuff. It's just not right. It's not right. So there's people, they're not just walking out in droves. They don't know where to go. So what they've done is they've, they've established altars in their home. They have praying and praying and asking the Lord for what to do. It's our job to talk to them. It's our job to open their eyes and turn them from darkness into light. That's what the job is. That's why he raised up John the Baptist because he was going to call him to be a forerunner of Jesus Christ to open their eyes, to have them repent and to prepare the way of the Lord. That's what our job is, is to go and talk to somebody, knock on a door to somebody. I have a co-worker on my job. He doesn't go to church anymore, but his parents are devotional. They, they read the Bible every night. These are parents. This kid is 24 years old, and he's in the house with his parents, and they are reading the Bible together. His roots are Baptists. But I'm going to speak to him, Lord willing, to show him the rest that's what we want to do is we want to be available because people are not happy. They are not happy with what's going on. When they're not happy what's going on across the street. We have a Bible study at the Salvation Army. And some sisters told me what was going on over there. A fight was going on over there. It's all fashion and false, and false teaching. And so you, you, what you have right then and there is that you, you, you must have to agonize to drive yourself there. Because if you really love God, you see what's going on. And you read the Bible. This is wrong. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. So you know what's going to happen is the Lord is going to blow upon these churches that won't do right. These preachers that set themselves up, that they said that they were a man of God, but they have taken down, they, they've allowed all kinds of doctrine. They don't preach doctrine anymore. They just preach a love message. They won't tell people right from wrong. And you know, that's, that's wrong right there. And you know, the Lord is going to deal with that situation. In the 23rd chapter book of Jeremiah, he's going to take those, he's going to take those people away those, from those, the, the, those sheep away from those shepherds because those shepherds have put their fingers in their ears. They've made themselves fat. They won't go help the sheep that are broken, the sheep that are sick. He won't go help and bind those people up that are, are, are astray. But we are, we are disciples of Jesus Christ, and we have laid a charge upon us that we must go and touch the people that are lost in our society. And we need to pray for them and understand that they're not going to come out and say, because there's right now a fear of people looking like, that. if you say that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you have a problem, that you have a, you have a weakness. But if you look at their behavior, they have a weakness. We just have to be able to be, be, able to be prayerful enough to say, Lord, Help me help them. Use me for, to help them. Forget about how I look. Forget about that. Just let the words that you're going to use in my mouth be able to touch their heart. Pray before you speak to them. Talk to them. Tell them all about how good Jesus is. Tell them your story. Tell them your testimony. Tell them how the Lord is so good. Tell them how the Lord filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Stir up the gift that is within you. And tell them how you received the Holy Ghost. How you were brought up in Catholic and they didn't clap their hands. And there was no 
song of praise and there was no preacher and there was no revealed word of God and you didn't know you needed to be baptized in Jesus' name and you didn't know you needed to receive the Holy Ghost and you didn't know it came with joy and you didn't know that you could clap your hands and you can get out of yourself and worship God and not be ostracized. Tell them how good God is to us. Go back and dust off, dust off your testimony and tell people how good he is. Think about how good God is. Think about how the Lord touched your heart and mind to give you a heart and mind to repent, to give you a heart and mind to turn, to give you a heart and mind to submit. Sisters have come in here and no one from the pulpit had to tell them they shouldn't wear pants anymore. The Holy Ghost for some convicted their heart that they just didn't feel right putting pants on. Something wasn't right. They didn't know what it was, but it was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will, will talk to a brother or sister and tell them, hey, that's not right. Don't be looking at that. It's what it is. It's, you're, not going, you're not having a, a psychological problem. That's the Spirit of God saying, don't do that. Stay away from that. Before you had the Holy Ghost, why don't you go pray? Go talk to this person. Align yourself with what the things of God and forget about the things of the world because there's all kinds of people with, with newness and all kinds of garbage and all kinds of quick fix. But, the, you know, with sin and salvation, there's no quick fix. There's no, there's no easy remedy of just putting your hand over somebody and then you come in for 15 seconds and you come down to the altar and you walk away. This is about a personal relationship with the Lord, and you need the power of Jesus Christ to land upon your life. You need the power of God to land inside you and make you new and make you whole, but you want the power. You want the real Holy Ghost. You don't want to touch and then someone say, you got it. You, you stammer lips, but you don't have the power. You don't have the deliverance. You don't have the real Holy Ghost. You want the real thing. Some of us were on the altar for a long time. You know why? Because we wanted the real thing. If we were in some of the churches, they would have given us the Holy Ghost. And we would have been most miserable because we wouldn't have been able to live what says in here. When you give somebody the Holy Ghost, you're, you're, you're playing, you're, you're, you're fighting against God. If you know, you know that they don't have it and you give it to them because you're trying to fill your church up, you're, you're going to be judged by the Lord. I've seen it over where we were a long time ago. And they told my wife when she came up out of that pool, she has the Holy Ghost. And I looked and I said, I don't see no tongues. I don't see what I got, and she doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And yes, she felt the anointing, but there was no Holy Ghost indwelling, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, a deliverance, a power, a dynamo coming out of her. And that's what we want from people. We want people to be lit on fire. I've been in this church, and I've been sitting on, on this altar when this church first started. When I was over here, and Sister Ree was over here praying with somebody, and there was a sister over here praying, and she came out of her shoes. Her shoes were right here, and she was on the altar on that bench right there where they're sitting and speaking in tongues fluently with joy. I want the real thing. Come back and get the real thing. Forget the, forget the deadness. Forget the things that we allowed to creep into our lives and, and rob us of spiritual strength and anointing. Let's get the real thing. In 1992, my prayer was heard. I had a job that was in a hotel restaurant business, and it kept me from anything that was about God. To the point that I knew that the Lord spoke to me early in that part of the year, and I couldn't, I couldn't put my fingers in my ears. I couldn't erase what was going on. And I brought my Bible in the office. And it was on a Sunday. And I opened it up and I said, Lord, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. I just started reading and I said, I closed it and I bowed my head. I said, I can't be in here. I can't be in this job. I can't have this responsibility with, a, with surrounded by ungodliness and booze and drugs and nights, holidays, weekends. And I need to get out of this. But you have to work it out because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have enough like Abraham had just to come out. But I knew I had to get out of there. About two weeks later, putting on my tie for work around 8.30 in the morning, and I heard an audible voice in my room at 8.30 in the morning. Sober, good rest, good sleep, thinking I'm going to work. It was a sunny day, putting my tie in and said, you're going to lose your job today. And I, there was no one outside that room. It was in that room, and my, the hair on my arm was, uh, I, I hear that. I can receive that, but I'm scared. 
And so I got dressed and I, I started thinking to myself, well, that won't be bad, but I don't know how this thing's going to work out. Maybe that's really, that voice is just maybe wishful thinking, blah, 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 as I drive to work, 30 minutes on the way there. And I get out and I close the door. And I walk in my office and I take off my coat and I put it on the hook and I close the door. And as soon as I put my coat on the hook, he says, you're going to lose your job today. And at that point, I had a half a smile because you know something? I, I, I felt that the Lord was working this all out. I said, I've never heard a voice out loud before. Never, I mean, this is something, this is something for me. And I said, you know, Lord God, I know that you hear my prayer. I didn't equate it to that. All I was trying to do is get out of the situation I was in. And my boss came in about 10 minutes later. And the guy said, yes. And he goes, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, yes. And he goes, we're going to have to let you go. And I'm like, yeah. And I just sat there. And he goes, well, we have to audit the vault. And I said, yeah. He goes, you're taking this really well. I said, because everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And the thing, the thing is that the Lord worked it all out. He got me out of an environment, a sinful environment that I was bound to. I thought that that was something. It was nothing. It was nothing compared to this. But I had to have, be able to get out of that environment. He heard my prayer. See, if you want the Lord and you want the Holy Ghost and you want things to change, you've got to pray and ask the Lord to help you. And you have to trust in the Lord and move when he says move. When those doors start opening and he says, get out of that situation. Get out of that relationship. Get out of this and that. Get out of the move then. That's where your deliverance is going to be. My prayer was heard. How about yours? How about your prayer? How about the prayers that you prayed and you don't think that the Lord heard your prayer? Go back and get those prayers. Write them down. Remind the Lord. Hold them up before the Lord and say, Lord, I know you heard my prayer. I know you hear prayers, Lord. I know you hear prayers. Why would he have to do anything different? Why would he receive David's prayer, not your prayer? God is not a respecter of person. Cornelius was a Gentile. God's not a respecter of person. When we meet business, things change. You want the Holy Ghost? It's a done deal. You don't have to wait for the promise. The promise is already given. I was out in the garage about a month ago. I had to move one of the lawnmowers. One of the batteries was dead. I had to go in there with some jumper cables. And I grabbed the jumper cables, and I looked at the battery, and it had some crud all over it. And I said, well, I'm going to try to start it anyways. And what I got was a spark, but I had no power. And I turned it, nothing happened. So I got the wire brush, and I cleaned up all that terminal all around that, got all that corrosion. So I wanted a good connection. And what you want is a real good connection. You want the real Holy Ghost. So you've got to clean some things up before the power of God is going to move inside you. God gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey him. You don't need to obey him from Genesis Revelation. You need to obey him from what you are being taught and what you know. He's not going to give you so much you can't repent from everything. You just need to repent. But you want to be loosed and you want to have a good connection. You don't want a spark. You don't want a da-da-da. You don't want a little bit of a touch. You want the real power. You want the living anointing. You want the Holy Ghost. You want the Holy Ghost that the Bible says you should have. You want the Holy Ghost that they had in Acts chapter 8. You want the Holy Ghost that they have in Acts chapter 19. They were religious folk. They were with the baptism of John, John the Baptist. That's all they knew. The Apostle Paul saw them coming. And he said, to what were you baptized? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's a great message for everyone we come in contact in North America. Because in these society and these churches, this won't be read. It's a time gone by. No one receives the Holy Ghost anymore. No one speaks with tongues anymore. Really? They got baptized. And he laid his hands on them. And they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. That was 12 people that were added to the church in Ephesus, and they went their way. Who knows where they went, but they got something they never got before. And there's a lot of people that are, people have told them they got something that it's not from the Lord. They might have a good feeling. They might get it when, the, when a song is going fast enough. 
and it's, and it's, and it's striking the heart a little bit, and, and they're getting a residual from the Spirit from somebody else, and they might think they have the Holy Ghost, but the real Holy Ghost comes to live inside, and he's going to let you know he's inside because he's going to speak through you in another language. You don't have to try to make it happen. It's going to speak as the Spirit give utterance. That's what you want. You want the freedom of the Holy Ghost. You want the real thing. You want the Holy Ghost. Some of us haven't spoken in tongues in a long time because we, we have lost the connection. We need, to, we need to clean up the terminal in our life. We need, to, we need to scrub some things. We need to wash some, some things down. We need to repent some things. We need to put some water on some things and wash it all up. We need to ask the Lord to help and sanctify our hearts, sanctify us on the outside and the inside. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. So I want with the Lord to hear my prayer. I want the Lord to deliver me. I want my prayer to be heard. I want your prayer to be heard. And the Lord said, he hears prayer. You, you can't stop what he's doing. You can try to put your prayer in a pillow and try to mumble as no one else can hear, but he hears it. He hears it in your heart. He hears it as you go. I walk as I was I'm at work and I'm praying in my heart. He hears that prayer. Sometimes you think you're kind of crazy, but you're just praying and asking the Lord to please hear my prayer. Help and help, help, Lord. Help and hear me. Hear me, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you read some of the Psalms that David spoke. They weren't big, giant words. It was, Lord, make haste to help me. I poured out my complaint before the Lord. He went before the Lord because things were a mess. He had people that were under him, and he was the king, but they were against each other. There were divisions. There were seditions. There were people backbiters. Joab was crazy. David took care of him after, after he died. But you know, we live in a world right now where family members, if they're not saved, they're poking at you. Well, how come, why, how come you let your children, why won't you let your children watch that? What's wrong with that? Why won't, why won't you let them watch that? Why do you have to dress them in that clothes? Why can't they wear this? They're just poking at you. It's just the devil. I know they have a family name and, a, and they have the last name and all that kind of stuff. It's grandma and aunt, uncle and all that, but poking. Just the devil poking, just, kinda, just trying to see if you ease up a little bit. No, we don't, we don't go to the movies. Thank you for the ticket, but we don't go to the movies. We're not going to watch that garbage on TV. Yeah, I know it's on there. It's a, you know, it's free because it's on the digital thing. It's on, the, it's on the, uh, the rabbit ear, so you can just pick it up. It's in the airwaves. It's not cable. But it's still someone's taking their clothes off, so you're not going to put your children in front of that. You're not going to put yourself in front of that. Why? Because we want to have a good connection with the Lord. We want to go back with the Lord. We want our prayers to be part of that incense, the prayers of the saints. The Lord he hears our prayer, saints. He hears our prayer. He hears our prayer. He hears our prayer. You know, you, you kind of wonder, you know, when's the Lord going to do it? I've been praying this for a long time about this family member and that situation and this family member and this and this and this thing and this thing has not changed. It hasn't changed in so long. When's it going to happen? This person's dying, this person's sick, this person I invited to church, this, 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 and this, and this. We make a whole list of what's going on, Lord. The Bible says pray. The Bible says importune in prayer. In the 11th chapter book of Luke, it says knock. And that man came to that house at midnight. And what did he want? He wanted three loaves of bread because I got a visitor and you're going to give me some bread. And even though that he was a friend, he wasn't coming down. But that brother didn't go away. He said, listen, you're going to give me that bread. I'm not, whether, listen, whether we're friends or not anymore after this. Whole house is awake. Go do this to someone's house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Find out what you get. It might be a barrel sticking out. It might be a baseball bat. It might be they take your phone off the list. But you know something? When you have a need bad enough, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your deliverance. Lord, I need you to do something. You keep on knocking. You keep on knocking. You keep on knocking. You keep on knocking. And it shall come over. You know what? The, the word importunity in the Hebrew Bible means brazen nerve. It means chutzpah. And we need to have some chutzpah right now as far as, we, as far as importuning in prayer, as far as interceding in prayer for other people, as when people trying to receive the Holy Ghost, stick with them. You don't have to get in their face and spit all over them, but you need to say, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. You got it. You got it. Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. 
we're in the church and we're all at different levels of our life. But you know, I can't go to talk to anyone else's prayer. I don't, can't call anybody else and say, the Lord told me this and that. In 1997, the church was here and we were praying and all kinds of stuff was breaking up because the enemy was trying to disrupt the unity that was going on. And I was praying one morning, didn't know any better just to keep on praying. And I was praying in the spirit and I had tears coming down and my nose, and you can imagine what's going on. I didn't care. I just kind of cleaned up the slobber and kept on praying. And I felt like I could walk through a wall because I knew that my prayer was heard. I knew I touched something. I knew that something went somewhere. I knew that it bounced off something. You know, we have these satellites and they're called tele, telestars. And what you do is they put them on boats and they put them in cars and they put them on planes and they're called a telestar. And what they do is they take that signal and they bounce it to the satellite and then it comes down over here. We don't know where that prayer went. But when you do intercessory prayer, you don't have to do You just point it to where you want it and the Lord's going to answer that prayer. And I was in a warehouse at about 10.30 in the morning. It was about 10, about 10,000 square feet. And I was so energized with the prayer. And you know I don't sing. But in the warehouse, there's no one there. It was just me and the Lord. And I said, Lord, God is a good God. Yes, he is. And I was praying. And the Lord was giving me a step. And I was moving some stuff around. And I started hearing myself. Because there's no one in there. It's just me and him. Me and Jesus. And the Lord spoke in an audible voice and said, tell them I hear prayer. And I, I was dumbfounded because I was just having a good time calling. I didn't expect a voice, an audible voice, tell them I hear prayer. But you know what I said is like what Zachariah said. But Lord, I'm not on the program because it was a Friday. How do I know it was a Friday? Because the response on my mouth was, but Lord. I'm not on the program. He said, don't worry about it. Tell them I hear prayer. And I was on the testimony service that night. Uh, Elder Black, who was Deacon Black, came out, pointed to me, and I was over here, and I was dumbfounded. But the message wasn't the whole book of Amos. The message wasn't the book of Isaiah. The message was, tell them I hear prayer. And the Lord's saying the same thing right now. He hears your prayer. Stand up and give the Lord some praise. Stand up and thank the Lord for the word. Stand up and thank the Lord for the love of the saints. He bought you with his blood. He bought you with his blood. He bought you with his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ shed down on a cross. We're celebrating Christmas right now. But he bought us with his blood. He cleaned us with his blood. And we have a right to go through the throne of grace to find time of mercy, find grace, the time of need. We have a right. We have a right. We have a right to go to the throne of God. There is no more veil. That's been torn. We have a right to speak to the Lord. You don't have the Holy Ghost. You have the right to speak to the Lord. You don't talk back to him. You speak respectfully to him and honor him who he is. But you can talk to him. You can get lost in Jesus. You can come in here and receive the Holy Ghost just by yourself. You can grab a person. Grab a person. Someone grab a person right now. See this person right here? This is my prayer partner. I didn't know who else to said, but I said, would you come out and pray with me? So we were in Plainville after I had the Holy Ghost, after I received the Holy Ghost, but I didn't believe I had the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? Because I, I wanted something that Bishop had. I wanted something that Deacon Turner had. I wanted something that Sister Seymour had. I wanted something that Sister Myrna had. Because Sister Myrna and Sister Seymour, they used to come in church during the day when I would come in and all I would hear was a heavenly language. Speaking in tongues and people calling up. And I'm going to let you know right now, Sister Myrna and Sister Seymour, by prophecy, by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord heard your prayer. It's not done. It's not done. You got breath in your body. You got breath in your body. It's not done. It's not done. Saints, don't you discard what the Lord is going to do for you. Don't you think he's not going to answer the prayer. But you got to pray. You got to pray. So let's get back to this. 
grab yourself a prayer partner. If you don't have another brother, grab a sister. If Grab somebody. No one should be alone. And say, would you pray with me? Say it to your neighbor. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Now look at your neighbor again. Say, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? If you said yes, you should pray for your brother and sister. Pray for those on the altar. Understanding that prayer is a powerful weapon. Prayer will destroy strongholds. Prayer will destroy cliques. Cliques in the church. Clicks in the church. He will destroy clicks. The devil tried to drive me out of here because I wasn't the same. He told me I didn't fit in. I was never treated by anyone differently. My pastor never treated me anything else. But the devil wore me, wore me, wore me. He says, you don't fit in. And the devil's trying to tell you you don't fit in. Why is he trying so hard? He filled you with the Holy Ghost. He allowed you to get married. You're in here with your family. You have the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. You have endless life. Don't let him force you out of here. Single brother, single sister, don't let him force you out of here. Married families, get on your knees and pray together. Cover that house with your blood. Ask the Lord to cover that place with his blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, take some oil. Do the lintel on the doorpost and pray. Go to the lintel of the doorpost and pray over that house. Pray in that house. Pray with that family. Pray over one another. Pray in your workplace. Pray. The Apostle Paul and Peter and the apostles were not black belts. They were not marksmen. They didn't have guns. They were not swordsmen. They were men of prayer. All they knew what to do in the third chapter book of Acts is that they were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Minding no business. They had nothing in their wallet. They had nothing to give to help that man that was born like that. The Bible says that the, the righteous are as bold as a lion. We need in these last days to be bold as a lion. Boldness from the Lord. The righteous. That's why it's important to have your connection touching with the Lord. The right connection. It's amazing what you can do. You can go get yourself. Well, I, if I had hair... When I used to have hair, I could get a butter knife and I could get myself some curly hair and I could stick it in the light socket. You know what I'm going to get? Connection. And I'm going to get thrown back and probably die. But you're going to get connection. And when you get with the Holy God and you praise the Lord and you empty out and you really want the Holy Ghost and you really want deliverance in your life and you really want things to change, you got to empty out. And all of a sudden you hit the dirt, you hit the connection. And on that connection, all of a sudden, the terminal's hit, and there's not a, there might be a little bit of spark. But after that, there's a surge. There's a surge of, of power that can't be stopped. That's why Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, After you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall have power. Not timidness, not meekness, but power over what? Devils, sin, self. We need to pray, saints. Are we going to pray? Go ahead and pray. See what the Lord will do in your life. Use the Lord. Use the Lord as your God. Reconnect with your God. Reconnect with Jesus, the Savior. He's out of the manger. He's, he's moving in the church. He's going in between the pews. He knows everyone, our hearts and minds. He knows what's going on. We don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be hot. We want to be hot for Jesus. It doesn't take a lot to be hot. It just means that you have to humble and say you're sorry to your brother and sister. It means I just want to establish the connection I have with my brother and sister and so I don't break up the unity of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Get back to the basics that you what you did to receive the Holy Ghost. You go back and break down the crustiness. Get down on the altar. Talk to the Lord and say, I'm not what I used to be. I want to be more like you, Lord. I want more power, more vigor. I wasn't always like this. I want more. Don't you want more? Don't you want something that the Lord will give you individually? Remember, you're not supposed to mimic other people because this person moves this way and that person moves that way. And it says, the Lord's going to have your, the Spirit of God move the way he wants you to move and pray the way he wants you to pray. And he's going to give you a gift as you're praying. I've been praying in tongues now for the past couple years. I can't even get up in the morning the last two years and just get up and say, Lord, forgive me of this and that and that because he doesn't even allow me to get out of my, my dryness. 
So I open my mouth and I start singing a song in tongues. And I songs, they're not the same one. That's the amazing part. But see, all I'm doing is I'm loosing him so he can have the preeminence, so he can use me for his glory. And I can't be dry. I can't go before him at 5 o'clock in the morning and be dry. So that means I like to stay up because my wife's a night person. I like to be up a little later, but i got to go to bed. Because I want to have that time allotted to the Lord. And the Lord works it all out. But I don't want to lose my connection. Right? Isn't the Lord good? All of a sudden, you know, you have the alarm set for a certain time. But the Lord wakes you up and just says, come on, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. The Lord spoke to me in 2007 when my bank was robbed. $276,000 someone stole. The FBI was involved. And Guinness was there. The whole bank. I was on the talk, on the conference call with the president of the bank. Asked me what happened. I don't know. I wasn't in town. This brother had a gambling problem. He was really off. But basically, they, they found it. No fault of mine. But I was so heavy after work that after the, the debriefing and the interrogation and all my employees, and even if they weren't working, they were called to come in. We're going to talk to you under the white light and see if you're lying. And so that went on. So right after that, I drove over here. And, uh, and, I, and I laid on the altar, and I couldn't even pray. But I just said, Lord, you've got to work it out. I don't know what's going to happen. So the next morning, I got up, and I, and I laid in bed almost like a cocoon. I just said, I don't want to get up. It's my time for prayer. It's the usual time. But so the Lord didn't allow me to sit there and stew and brew. And I said, com complained whether or not I was going to get out of bed. And he said, I'm worth it. That's all he said, I'm worth it. And I thought about that, and the tears went down my face because he's worth it. He's worth it. See, we can try, and I'm going to close. We can try any way we want to get out of our mess. We can try all kinds of financial games, all kinds of things. You name whatever problem you have, you're going to, first of all, because we're natural and we're human, we're going to try to fix it ourselves. And what happens is, is that you start digging the hole deeper. You don't, go, you don't go sideways. You go down. Instead of going up, you need to stop digging. The worst grave to dig is your own. Take the shovel, break it. I'm going to give this thing to the Lord. I'm not going to be irresponsible. But I'm going to stop my stuff. I'm going to stop trying to fix it, and I'm going to let him fix it. And I'll tell you, I'm the better for it. And you can be the better for it. And other people have testimonies that are the better for it. But there's nothing new under the sun. The Lord called you in here to be a witness so that other, so you could be glorified, that he'll be glorified. You'll be uh, and, and honor in his sight that you're one of his and you're out doing the job that we're supposed to be doing and that's loosing people. Our job is not to testify to one another. Our job is to be out there and loose people from opioids, depression, all the brokenness of their homes and families that they say it doesn't exist. If it didn't exist, why is social media such a mess? Why are the newspapers that can't keep up with the real stories and they mask what's really going on? We have an epidemic in this society, and we have thrown God out. We, we don't even believe the Bible anymore, but that people want this. They want this. They want this. They want this. They want the power. They want the anointing. They want to hear what you have. They want to hear what you have to say. Make someone cry in an office. Make someone cry in the parking lot. Don't make them cry because you're mean to them. Give them your testimony. Unlock them and loose them and tell them what Jesus did for you, how you were so messed up. It may not be applicable to them, but you can say, the God that I serve can do anything. He can fix any problem. He can do anything. He's a great God. 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 That's why they call him the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's not a Santa. He's not a Christmas tree. He's not an Easter bunny. He's the God of glory. Saints, let the Lord use you. That's my message. He's heard your prayer. Now let the Lord use you. He's got you. Let the Lord use you for his glory, and he'll work everything out spiritually, naturally, everything you can think of. He's already got it in play, and it's going to happen before you can even blink an eye. But we have to put our mouth into action and not be a confessor with our heart, with our mouth and not our heart. We don't want to confess the Lord with our mouth, but our heart is far from him. See, we want to come in here and praise the Lord and not do it because other people are doing it. We want to get to a point of heartfelt worship and adoration and thankfulness and brokenness, brokenness. Brokenness is what the Lord wants. Give him your brokenness. 
Give him your brokenness. Give him your brokenness. Watch what he does for you. He doesn't want to see you with anguish. Lord got sick and tired of that. And in John chapter 5, he said, will you be made whole? That man was impotent. 38 long years, the Lord said, would you be made whole? And the man had, well, no one will put. He didn't ask him that. Will you be made whole? The Lord's asking you right now. He's heard your prayer. Go forward and let him work it out. Pray for me in Jesus' name. But saints, pray. Pray. And pray and pray and hold on to the Lord and pray and see what he won't do. And pray for other people and see how God will move things and change things. And he will break the arm of the wicked. He will break the arm of Satan. And he will loose the people with strongholds who are having problems in their heart and mind whether they can trust the Lord. That's the problem. It starts in here. It gets into here. Then they walk out there. And they come out there and the devil's over here going... This is going to be okay. You're going to be all right out here. You're going to have a little more freedom. And he's got his hand right behind him. And all of a sudden, when you're not looking, when you kind of step out, he just winds up and whacks you to the point that you don't know whether or not you can go back to the church again and humble yourself. There are people that I'm praying for, that you're praying for, that have left, that are coming back. I don't know who they are, but they are trying to come back. They're trying to get restoration. They're trying to get in touch with him. I'm not worried about how the relationship's going to work out with the pastor. The pastor knows what to do. But the Lord's got to touch the person in the heart to surrender so he's not a heartache to the pastor. But if they come in with their hands up and surrender and say, I'm wrong, what's the Lord going to do? Turn around? The prodigal son, the father said, listen, I'm going to go about doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to every once in a while, I'm going to look out and see if my son's coming home. My son, my daughter. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Pray for me. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for one another. Praise the Lord. Let the church say amen.